Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans. We are here with another episode of the London is Plute. Wow, preseason wow. is right. Nick, you jinxed yeah. me. All right. Fuck. See, that, that Take was two. not the London is Plute pod plod, plod. You're, you're, you're also in fine form. <laughs> I was making fun of Brandon. Come on. Come on. (laughs) This is the London is Blue podcast. Your home for the champions of England. Bringing all Chelsea fans together here, near, and far. Hosted by Dan, Nick, and Brandon. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. Per the people's request, I am joined by the Nick Verlaney and the Dan Dormer. Welcome back, gents. Dan, have you actually recovered from your early morning match viewing yesterday? There was a nap involved, so yes. Yes, I am. It was essentially a two-a-day for you. I mean, you had to get up, take on the Chelsea responsibilities, take a break, and then go on with the rest of your day. I mean, it, you know, it was. You know, it's really about you know taking the postseason, the pro season area that we were in, heading into preseason. And uh, Nick, I think we're really working on our form right now. Yeah, I mean, this is the the kind of thing that you know in podcasting land is the equivalent of of Antonio Conte's two-a-days. So. You know, it's, you're, you're trying to take in as much knowledge as you can at this point so that you're sharp for uh, for the start of the season. Nick, you were also doing some uh, marathon training of your own, getting ready for those Saturday drinking, uh, you know, during the match <laughs> escapades I saw, enjoying your time at a wedding, looked beautiful. Yep, yep, beautiful wedding uh, for my friends Carly and Zach. So, uh, yeah, there was there was a, a few beers to be had during that whole, uh, that whole shindig. Good. Well, all around, as you can hear, the, you know, the London is Blue team, we're hard at work making sure we're ready to go for uh, another big season for Chelsea, obviously defending Premier League champions. Uh, we'll get into Conte's quotes later, but we, long story short, don't want to repeat what happened a couple years ago, if Oof. you know what I mean. Oof. So, Oof. in this episode, we will cover the final preseason match for Chelsea versus Inter Milan. We'll talk about our five-side lineups that we, well, just obviously didn't do last week because i didn't want to and then we'll go into a power round of your transfer rumor questions gossip everything else that you guys have hit us up with on social media obviously not a lot going on without any games so we got 
we gotta talk. We gotta we gotta guess at what's going on, guys. But real quick, uh, Nick, I believe it's your turn this week. We do have a couple more iTunes reviews. Yeah, we have two five star reviews. Um, you know, from the guy who wrote something, which is you know just an apt name on this, and then thirty second review guy. Um, also, uh, both love the podcast. Both gave us five stars. Dan, if someone else wanted to get shouted out on the podcast, what would what would they have to do to, to do that? Uh, much like a you know five size requires five players, you pop five stars in iTunes in the country store of your choice, and we'll give you a shout out next week. All right. With that being said, let's go ahead and get stuck into the pod after this quick message. Here we go. Hey Dan, if you wanted a better shopping experience than you know, say some of the other uh, you know websites with Chelsea gear on them, where would you where would you go and why? I wouldn't go to one that uh, is trying to hijack my browser or involve pop-up ads, uh, you know, or said they're going to sell me an official jersey that was uh, you know, ten dollars because that that probably is not legit. I would go to WorldSoccerShop.com. Uh, they've got all the selection of every bit of Nike Chelsea gear, which is pretty exciting. And I, I know Nick, you've seen a couple of things that you're looking to get. Those new those new polo kind of Henley deals are, are fire. So I'm uh, I'm very excited for those. Go to worldsoccershop.com, help support our show. Those guys are great to work with, and uh, we know that you'll be excited with what you get. All right, well, part one, as we promised the match review, Chelsea versus Inter Milan. This was a part of the International Champions Cup, as I'm sure all of you know. It was also in the National Stadium in Singapore. It was this past Saturday, July 29th. uh, Final score, Blues won. Nerazzurri two. Dan, we'll go ahead and let you do the lineups. Uh, Conte definitely sticking with strong lineups in every single one of these matches so far. Yeah, you know, he, he talked about wanting to make sure that the squad was ready for the Community Shield coming up as our, our next competitive match. Uh, Thibaut Courtois, David Luiz, Gary Cahill, Cesar Aspilicueta, no surprise, uh, with N'Golo Conte, Cesc Fabregas, Alonso, Moses, and the middle four. And, and then an uh, interesting front three uh, with Pedro still recovering. A lot of people thought Bogang might get in to start, but we saw William Morata and uh, Bats up front. But we did get to see a lot of substitutions. Uh, we saw... Jake double barrel. We saw Tomori. We saw Kyle Scott, Polisic, Rudiger getting his first minutes in a Chelsea kit. Uh, Christian Cuevas. Uh, that's going to be a trivia question. Bonus point sometime in the future for Chelsea trivia. <laughs> uh, Loney leader legend Loic Remy, who graciously gave up the captain's R band to David Luiz. Uh, Bogang <laughs> did get in, and then Mosanda had a little appearance as well too. So uh, definitely not maybe some of the substitutions you're expecting when, but uh, a very strong lineup from at least the player perspective. Yeah, and actually, uh, Thibaut Courtois played the full 90 this time, Nick. So, unfortunately, no Willy Caballero, no Eduardo. Uh, also, no Andreas Christensen or Lewis Baker, guys who had actually seen good minutes before. So, do you think Conte is just continuing to get through his subs bench to give everyone some time? I mean, that's a long ways to travel to never play, even if you are Mario Pasalic, Kyle Scott, and Christian Cuevas. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I don't know how mad you can be about that. You know, of course, I think our show personally wants to see Christensen and Lewis Baker play as you know as much as possible to get a good look at them because we see them as valuable assets moving forward and, and into the year. So, you know, that would be you know kind of where we're coming from. But you know, it's also good for a young player like Kyle Scott to get involved um, and and play some minutes. And you know, again, I'm not sure about the Christian Cuevas thing, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see in the future if that works out. All right. Well, you know, next part we got to get into are the goals, Dan. And I know how much you love talking about Chelsea goals, but ever since we switched to you going first, this is how it's going to play out. So first goal is up on you, man. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was a penalty decision uh, in the closing moments of the first half, thanks to the the water breaks that have been occurring to deal with the humidity. And as Blaquetta uh, gave up a penalty, uh, probably the lightest penalty touch. Soft. Uh, Jovetic looked around, and I think even he was surprised that there was an opportunity. The most infuriating thing about this penalty, though, was actually Tebow made the save initially and uh, was rebounded uh, in. But man, like there was plenty of opportunity for every Chelsea player to run up and, and try to at least put a foot in or, or kind of challenge or make it difficult for the Inter Milan players. 
and they couldn't be bothered. And I get it, right? It's preseason, uh, but you want to see a little fight in those moments, right, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll get into this a little bit later. That could just be kind of preseason brain and a combination of, of tired legs not being able to react as quickly as they probably would have liked to. Uh, good save from Tebow. Um, you know, all, all you can be asked as a goalkeeper, Brandon, is to make the initial save and hope that your your teammates clean it up, right? Yeah, a bit of a bummer. Uh, not that clean of a save either. He knocked it back into the middle of the goal when you most definitely want to get that ball as far as wide and away from the goal as you can. But, I mean, the fact that there was three Inter Milan players were the closest to the ball with no one from Chelsea even reacting, I think that is something that's a little little tougher to swallow. But, uh, you know, again, just preseason. Um, you know, hopefully we be, we'll be ironing that out as, as we get closer to, to, you know, the middle of August. Right. Next one up, we've got 53rd Minute Nick. Uh, the soon-to-be Man United player, uh, Perisic, got a ton of space on the left wing. Dude is pacey. Uh, kind of surprised he beat Courtois, though. I mean, he's out there at a wide angle, uh, but ended up doubling Inner's, Inner's lead just after the break. Right. I mean, this was another another break um, that Inter had, and, and Dave was kind of leggy behind him. Um, didn't really... You know, again, you were right. A little bit of a surprise that Courtois got beaten so easily uh, from that angle. It just didn't seem like that uh, that happens a, a whole lot. So maybe maybe he's a little exhausted too. But um, yeah, I mean they they did kind of uh, Chelsea counterattack us in this game. You know, Chelsea had fifty two percent of the possession um, and and nineteen shots uh, to to Inter's thirteen. Just couldn't finish as as uh, well as as Inter could. And this was. You know, kind of a soft goal to give up again. So, you know, you had the soft penalty and, and this shot. So kind of a, a bummer to uh, to start a game with. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and let you wrap it up, Dan, with uh, some lighter news for the for the third goal. <laughs> uh, 74th minute, you know, uh, one Condogbia with uh, probably the play of the game for Chelsea fans' perspective. Can we put that circus was... music behind his <laughs> behind Dan's thing here? Because like Titanic I, music, uh, the, the the Benny Benny Hill or something. It was insane. I, I I don't think anyone has ever attempted something like that. Like I I was initially thinking it was about as bad as the Charlie Adams goal that was scored on Courtois when he got caught out just in oh, reverse. God. And like that, that's all I was thinking when I saw it. But uh, you know, the video that a couple of fans posted, where they're actually at the angle looking into the goal or Inter's goal as the ball is flying in, probably was the best version of it because you basically just you know watch the all of the players are kind of looking at this ball tracking back, and it plops in the net, and even the goalkeeper like turns around, and is like ah, what? Like what, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Like it, that is a a classic own goal and maybe one of the best of all time it was unbelievable i mean especially as a goalkeeper you're sitting there dead in the water going man i hope this doesn't go in because you can't catch it right like what are you gonna do head it out like that's not that's not gonna happen i here's the thing i can't believe that this was like a, a normal back pass like we argued about this before the show but like to me this had like a little bit of intent behind it because that that is not a back pass that you see played very often and you know, or ever, because it does. You know that can happen if you play the ball in the air back to your goalkeeper. So I, I don't know. It seems a little match fixy to me, but um, you know, Kondogbia, you know, is gonna another one of those uh, trivia games. Uh, you know, for worst own goal ever. I mean, they are in this area, uh, and there's no match fixing issues there at all. So I, you know, I don't, I don't want to try to, you know, Brandon. Ripping off the Band-Aid for our manager there. Come on now. <laughs> hey, he was cleared. All right, we got through that. Uh, but anyways, hey, so just looking at the match like we like to do. So, you know, Nick, Chelsea looked tired to me. We know how hard Conte works these guys in preseason. So even outside of the results, are the players' form concerning you at all? No. No, no, no. I mean, this is it's kind of the point. They played in really tough conditions for three straight matches over two weeks. And... You know, I think the the great news is that, you know, that was that should have been the toughest part of their fitness regimen. I mean, obviously they stay in shape all year, but you know, we saw these guys train in preseason last year and they are dog tired um at this point. And I think Conte you know, recognized that after the match. You know, it's gonna be good to go home uh, to England and, and give these guys a little bit of a rest and 
you know, I think, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. So they're going to be, um, they're going to be ready for the start of the season. Um, let's see, Dan, you know, I think that even Juventus fans have, have been talking about this again, that Conte did the same thing when he was there. They would have mixed results in preseason, but then that first game of season, Conte would make sure to have everyone ready to go at 100% and come out of the gate flying. I mean, that's the most important thing, right, at this point is getting ready for the start of the Premier League season. Yeah, I think the challenge is always that there's different desires, right? The fans' desires to watch your team win preseason matches to build excitement for what you're going to see in the in the starting games the manager's you know prerogative is to try to assess you know where his players you know opportunities lie and make sure that the the fitness is at a level that he needs to execute uh you know their game plan so you know ultimately you know our desire as fans and potentially the desire of the manager uh, are in opposition during preseason. I think that's probably where most of the struggle comes. It's like we want to see you know, these great games. We want to see them dominate. We want to be really excited that everything's kind of going together. And then when you don't see that, it, it can be frustrating and concerning. So I think it's it's that hard thing to take a breath and to calm down and to align with the idea that it is preseason and you can start to draw some connections to what are some of the things that still need to be adjusted or changed but that it's not maybe something necessarily to overreact to in the larger scale, you know, to take the, oh, you know, Murata didn't look great on the wing and turn that into, man, Murata, what a terrible signing. Like, that's not, you know, we're not using the jump to conclusions game. Uh, you know, we have to kind of assess everything individually and in, in where it is within the time spectrum. And we are still in preseason transitioning into regular season. I mean, jumping to conclusions seems easier to me. So I'm just going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> No, obviously, exactly. So. Obviously, I'm kidding. You know, uh, preseason is to push these guys. It's crazy though to think like May wasn't that long ago. Like you know, we're still only a, just over two months removed from this season, and it's like these guys had maybe a month off, and they're back into like the super hard grind. And so you know, we've seen this like Dave, Alonzo, Mose. We've seen multiple guys chasing as teams break through our defense. And they look like they just don't have anything left in the tank. And Nick, you talked about Dave, you know, uh, on the Parasitch goal. Like, if he doesn't have legs to get back, we know he's not just being lazy, right? Like, that means dude's got nothing left in the tank. And that's just part of preseason. As, you know, Dan mentioned, I want to reiterate that. The matches aren't the priority for the manager. The training, the tactics, the technique work, that's where Conte is making his priority focus as it should be. So uh, I get it. Mishi looked a little sloppy in goal today. He could have had a couple. Obviously, he did get a, the second goal, but it was incorrectly ruled off sides. But, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, I'm, you know, going to take a leap here and agree with both of you this time. Wow. What a day. Smart move. All right. Next one up, Dan. Who excited you after today's for? performance i'm gonna get through this just bear with me yeah i uh so so rudiger came on for his his first appearance and you know we were a little bit later in the game when that happened so aspilqueta pushes up into the right wing back spot uh rudiger played some good passes forward you know has a good uh you know cross pitch passes that looked really really nice um looked very composed throughout even when he was uh chasing down uh perisic for one of the um one of the goals, it looked like he was, or one of the attempts on goal, rather. I closed it down really well, made it made it a difficult shot that ultimately just went to the side netting. So, uh, I mean, I liked what I saw the first little bit of, uh, of Tony there kind of rocking on the pitch. Awesome. Nick, I mean, what about you, man? Yeah, I mean, I know he didn't play a ton, but I thought Charlie Musanda really looked, um, looked like a player. I mean, quick, had some good moves. Uh, I think... You can see kind of the difference between his game and Jeremy Boga's game. Uh, you know, Boga is definitely the more physical of the two, and I think uh, likes to attack space. Whereas I think Boga likes to um, take on players a little bit more, has a little bit more of the uh, um, flair for the dramatic. And and so look, I mean, for a guy who, by all accounts, is a part of Antonio Conte's plan this year, has been given the 17 shirt and. You know, it's just has just really struggled to stay fit. Uh, you really hope that he keeps it together and, and gets a shot. 
All right. Well, you know, I I was excited to see Rudiger obviously get into play. It's just you know good to see him. Um, Musanda. You know, we almost started the debate last week, right? Team Musanda versus Team Boga. We held off. Uh, he looked lively. And I think the one thing you can both say about Boga and Musanda is when they go in, they realize, like, this is their opportunity. They are going at players trying to create something because they want to get noticed by Conte. They want to be uh, set apart as, you know, having a bigger impact than what maybe normally would happen. So uh, I think it's great to see those guys. Um, but as always, uh, I'm just glad to see David Luiz. He's in good shape and condition. If you guys forget, which a lot of us do because we just kind of took it for granted, I mean, Luiz hobbled his way to the end of the season, and it seems like he's done enough work and enough rest. I mean, think of all of his Instagram stories last year. He was in the training room all the time. But dude looks good, looks happy, looks healthy, and uh, we are going to need that from him this season if Chelsea are going to make a run back at the Premier League and any other competition for that matter. Uh, we got a message on Instagram about this. Uh, Axel Langalon says, I really, really want Masanda to at least start to replace Pedro and William in the 11. Um, what are your thoughts on him? I mean, start to replace Pedro and William. I think that's a big jump because these guys nope. are Spain and Brazilian internationals. Musanda is a guy we bought young off of potential, Nick. Yeah, I I'm all for, you know, look, I'm excited about Jeremy Boga as a potential, you know, um, role player for Chelsea this year, but I'm not advocating for Boga or Musanda to, to start over Pedro and William unless they've proven in training over and over and over and over again um, that they're just better. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's it's totally fine to get excited about players, but, I mean, lest we forget the impact that Pedro and William had in the title run last year. I mean, they were incredible, um, and, and William really came on late um, to help Chelsea uh, do the business. Uh, Pedro had you know a slew of goals and key moments. So, look, I... I can't advocate for that right now. I think that's just a jump in the gun a little bit. I think the only thing we can hope to advocate for initially, uh, outside of them making time by uh, placing a fist to the face of another player and sidelining them for a couple weeks, um, is ultimately is hoping that they can get to the point where with 20, 25 minutes left in a match that you know Conte feels comfortable enough to sub them in and not give them you know, sympathy minutes because, okay, okay, well, we've, we've got, you know, five minutes left and we're winning. Let me make a sub so we can kill some time. Like, I think that would be the truest test this season. If they can get to the point where, you know, Nick, Nick kind of called it out perfectly squad players, that they're coming out to refresh the side and they look bright at that level. I think that would be a real win for both of them this season. All right, we'll go ahead and tweet at us, uh, Facebook us, Instagram us, even email us if you want. Let us know what you guys think about Musanda breaking through the, the team this season or, you know, just where he stands. Uh, let's go ahead and kind of wrap this one up. Uh, Nick, anyone that's maybe concerned you as we enter August, maybe that's just because of their performances or just overall needing, um, you know, some more depth maybe to challenge them. Anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I look at the I look at the midfield, and you know, I, I don't think that Sesk was particularly brilliant in any of these games, and and not to say I'm super concerned, but I think I'm just more concerned about the depth of the position right now. Um, you know, Bakayoko is going to be out for a little bit. Uh, we don't really have, you know, besides Lewis Baker, we don't really have a replacement uh, for either Sesk or N'Golo Kante, and if either one of those guys got injured, we'd be up shit creek. Um, so. I think that's just where like my my eyeballs are going right now, and then and then the wing back position too. You know, I I don't think that Vic Moses is a is a left wing back. He's doing the best he can, and it looked okay um, in the couple of chances he's got. But man, we we need some depth uh, around the around the squad, Dan. Yeah, you know, I think that that, and you know, you also want you know, look, um, Murata to get time. You know, in the center forward position, really didn't get that opportunity. Uh, you know, too much. You know, we got the chance to see, you know, Bats and him playing together, but that was more of a front three rather than a, a front two. So, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to get to see a little bit more of Murata moving forward. And it doesn't seem like we've really kind of solidified our, our striker situation. So I think as a larger uh, picture of the whole, uh, that's probably the most concerning point coming forward is that, like, I, I know we can defend 
you know, we, we've got a really great defense. Uh, we've got Angola Conte, but when it comes down to scoring goals without Ed Hazard and Pedro, uh, that's probably where a little bit of my question marks come from. Nick, you got me thinking. I wonder if Moses can transition any farther forward or if he is essentially just now stuck as a wingback. I would, I would, I know he can because he originally came up, you know, if you remember him at Wigan yeah. uh, when we bought him, I mean, he was, he was playing kind of that, uh, you know, left-sided forward role um, for, for Wigan. But I mean, just on finishing capability alone, I just don't think that he has the same quality that, you know, our forwards and, and attackers do. I mean, in a pinch he would do, but I mean, it's certainly not, I think his area of greatest strength. And I think, his physicality and speed allow him to be a real weapon on the outside. Dan, do you think that we need more defensive wingbacks going forward? Or, I mean, because Alonzo and Moses both chipped in a bunch of goals and assists, or do we just need an upgrade on the attacking quality of our wingbacks? I think it's about competition. I think when you saw what happened when Nathan Ake came in last season to Alonzo, you know, who I think a lot of people were concerned had plateaued in the season, uh, Alonzo saw a kick up in form. And, you know, I think Nathan Aki wasn't going to be the long-term solution for competition there. And that's why I think we were all salivating at this idea of, of Alexandro is Alexandro represents an upgrade and challenge and, and a strengthening in a position and not just a substitution. So, you know, I think we saw them try to go a little bit more offensive in the match versus Byron and that, you know, didn't necessarily play to their strengths. You know, they seem to be a little bit more... Uh, you know, better operating defensively and then hopefully ticking onto an attack when, you know, one has kind of moved forward uh, more so like Alonzo recently. And, uh, you know, Moses has done a little bit more of the defensive dirty work. So it'd be nice to have uh, two reinforcements there. And uh, hopefully, you know, it's Antonio Conte's birthday tomorrow. So maybe the club will, uh, will gift him a couple signings. I do think to, on Brandon's point though, from earlier, I do think that Marcus Alonzo could do in a pinch on that left uh, forward role. Um, I think that he has enough quality. Certainly, it has size um, to kind of play that role that um, you know we were hoping maybe a Bernadeschi would would come and play. Um, you know, before he was sold to to Juve. So I don't know. I, I think there is tactical flexibility with both wingbacks, but man, like it's tough to worry about that when you don't have anybody else to come in and replace them. Really, I mean, Dave can do a job on the right. Obviously, very defensive. Um, but we don't really have anyone on the left. Yeah, this is going to be something that obviously drags on until options are added. I mean, that's just the way it is. There's no way we can go into the season without more people in this position, and I think that uh, the club will address it. Obviously, now it's just a lot later than we would have wanted. Uh, you know, Now, I think you have less time to maybe mold someone who wasn't a true wingback. Chelsea are going to have to go and buy people that are already playing in this position, so it'll be a much easier transition. But then uh, go ahead and wrap this up, and we're going to transition on to the five-a-side challenge that one Joe Tweed shot our way last week. Finally did our homework, ladies and gentlemen, and right after this break, we're going to run through ours. Not only ours, Dan, but everyone else's that submitted it, right? Yeah, we, we definitely have a couple of uh, both jokey and uh, serious attempts at the Joe Tweed's five-a-side Chelsea Challenge. All right, well, let's go ahead and cover that here in just a second. Here we go. Dan, I know that last week we said we'd have our, our survey up for the uh, for the XL Tours trips, but I think this week we definitely will, right? Yeah, you know, we had a chance actually to, to make some some back and forth chatter with XL Tours. Uh, they've kind of targeted a couple of maybe opportunities that they think would work really well for not just one, but maybe two matches, maybe like a Premier League and a Champions League match, oh, what? which I think many people would find exciting. Yes, uh, so we will have that out. Uh, that information is starting to, to kind of formulate, but we still want to hear your feedback and we still want to make this trip the best that we can for you. So please do us a favor, uh, fill out the survey. Uh, we'll post it on our social media and uh, and really help us kind of help mold this trip to, to meet your expectations. All right, five aside challenge time. In case you missed it last week, uh, Joe Tweeds tweeted at us in our uh, you know moment where we asked for questions from you all, and he asked, "Who wins at foot golf between you three? 
covered that. Go back and listen to it if you didn't hear it. But then the second part was from the current squad. So only people that are at Chelsea right now. And we're not talking like Ace Milan, we we signed you, but we actually haven't paid for you yet because we haven't gotten our sugar daddy to give us the money. We mean like people on the Chelsea squad. Who is your five-a-side team? So obviously we took some time. We went through our homework, Dan, and we came up with our lineups. You know, we did, and uh, I think what's what's strikingly similar about all three is uh, is no surprise. Maybe uh, Thibaut Courtois starts in goal. Isn't that correct on, on your team there, Nick? Yep, yep. Thibaut's in there. I mean, who else are you going to put right now? I mean, I'm not going to start Caballero over him. <laughs> so, well, I mean, if it came down to penalties, you know, Cav is pretty good at, at stopping a, a penalty there. Yeah, but yeah, I think my team's going to beat you guys enough, uh, soundly enough, that penalties won't be a thing. So, yeah, the, the other thing is uh, it looks like Hazard selected on every single team, which uh, I think should come as no surprise. Uh, you know, Brandon went with a uh, Courtois, Luis, Hazard, Pedro, Michi lineup. Bold. Nick went with that wonderful Courtois, Azpilicueta, Sesc, Pedro, Hazard lineup. So uh, the, the Spanish Armada. And then uh, I dropped a little Luis Bakayoko Alonso Hazard in front of a, a Courtois. So really interesting lineups here. Obviously, you know, I walking through mine real quick. I mean, it's hands down with Courtois, or maybe hands up. You get uh, my, all right. Anyways, uh, 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 down post. All right. So I opted for Luis <laughs> over Dave because we all know Luis can shoot better. I think Dave's probably better on the ball, but Luis, I mean, he can strike from anywhere, so he's always a threat. I mean, Hazard and Pedro just make sense to me. I want a really fluid attacking midfield. And then Mishi, dude's earned it. I know Murata maybe has the, the higher ceiling, the higher potential this season. But as of right now, we've only seen a little bit of him on the wing as well as playing two up top. So that's my side. Nick, why in the world are you playing with a false striker? False nine. What's going on, man? Because five-a-side is not a typical game. Five-a-side is about quick movement and taking advantage of opportunities, and my team is going to do that. So the reason that I went small is because your opportunities for, for headers aren't really a thing here. Um, you know, It's just not kind of how the game is built up. So I can go with a smaller squad, uh, quicker movements. You know, My team might lack a little bit of defensive capability. <laughs> um, but, a little. But... <laughs> on, the, on the front end, I also have uh, much more fluid attack with Sesk, Pedro, and Hazard. Uh, you know, I think the passing is going to be fluid. I think the goals are going to be plenty. And, you know, my team might win, you know, a, a match 5-4, but they're still going to win. Yeah, so that's the thing where, where I kind of went with the Alonzo hazard luis Bakayoko combination. I mean, you got, you know, you know, the size, you know, from three out of the four. You know, you have the ability of pretty much anyone on that team to, to get you a goal. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel strongly about that team. And plus, if you had, like, any free kick moment, you know you're going to get a goal there too. So, uh, I mean, you're not getting past most of them. And uh, they're going to get you goals anywhere on the pitch. So maybe even from uh, 20, 30, 40 feet away, you're hard out, uh, Kondogbia. I I So the I almost threw a wild card in there last second, and I almost replaced – Dave with Ingolo Conte just to have like the most you know active member of our squad back there (laughs) but I thought maybe I thought maybe Dave was going to be the better pick just positionally so yeah either end yeah I mean Dave does can play in multiple positions too so I mean you do give yourself a little flexibility there yeah Dan's a bunch of bullies I mean he's literally gonna just defend all (laughs) games set up shot wait for that free kick take it and then continue to defend now, if I wanted to bully you around, I would have put Gary Cahill and Rudiger in there too. Like that, it just would have been them with Louise and then Hazard up top. Dan, Dan plays more like Chelsea 2005. My team's more like Chelsea 2017. Uh, well, 2017 is a question mark, so we'll have to see if that uh, that pans out for you. Um, but we had a couple of really good uh, listener callouts too. Um, you know, a couple of people uh, like from Instagram Z. Gillikerson or Gillikerson had uh, Dave with four Dave clones. Um, so that we're going to call that the uh, Mourinho multiplication method. Uh, Nathan Vance had uh, you took your idea there, Nick, with the uh, Conte Hazard, and uh, really saying that Conte counts as four players. So it's not fair to have anyone else. Yeah, it's a good point. It's cheating. 
We had one from, uh, let's see, at Sheeny8 on, tw- on Twitter saying uh, Tebow and goal, David Luiz in the back, Hazard, William, and Morata up front. You need goals from every player in a good five-side team. I'm right there with you, man. I think you're spot on, but I think Pedro's finishing is better than Williams. That's why I put him in. But Sheeny, you and I are on the same page. Uh, Nick, who else do we have? So we have Jeff Hardy who said Courtois, Luiz, and Golo Conte. Hazard and Pedro, so you know, very strong lineup. And then we had another one that was all attacking all the time, <laughs> which was from Mohit, who said Courtois, Hazard, Musanda, Boga, Murata. I mean, that is, damn, that is just no defense whatsoever. I'm going to score ten goals. Well, I also went with uh, with the youth contingent there too. So I mean, that that worked out really well. You know, little, little you know, don't don't be team Bogang or, or team Musanda. Just be you know team youth. Apparently, is what uh, what that's going for. And then Emodai uh, uh, or Emoid uh, put in Hazard, William, Luis, Espelqueta. So so I mean, definitely you know Hazard. Uh, obviously, he was pretty much on any team we saw. Espelqueta made ton of appearances too. Luis was also a really strong shout. Um, you know, a couple players didn't, you know, William didn't show up too frequently on most of the teams that we saw kind of pop in there. Uh, you know, Rudiger didn't make mention Cahill, not anywhere to be found on a five-a-side team. Uh, so, eight goals last year must not have been enough for people, huh? Yeah, you know, he's he's got a, a head and a foot that has a, uh, has a scent for goal. Well, the last one comes from Janique, and uh, she threw out Conte. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't make more, but like you said, I mean... It's quick, all-out attack. People just want goals. So she had Tebow, Aspie, Conte, Hazard, and Morata as well. All well done, you guys. Like, thanks so much for like getting involved, uh, engaging with us, sending them in. Shout-outs to all of you who did participate. That's what we love. Uh, if you still want to get in, go ahead and tweet at us. Nick, Dan, and I will go ahead and decide and judge your teams if they're good or not. We'll, we'll be able to, to let you know on Twitter. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and take a quick break because we've got so many questions to cover on social media, talking about transfers, the rumors, what we think is going to happen, a ton going down in this third part, so you don't want to miss it. Here we go. Dan, now that you've seen both the blue and white Chelsea kits from Nike on uh, on players during the preseason, which one do you like more? You know, the uh, silver in the away kit, which is supposed to invoke the feeling of the amount of silverware at Chelsea Collector over the years, is quite nice. But I think the blue is just a classic kit. It's going to go down. It's one of the best maybe in uh, Chelsea history, I think, Nick. If, if I was more in shape, I would definitely grab the, <laughs> grab the white one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, the, I think the blue is probably where it's at for me. As always, go to worldsoccershop.com, pick yourself up one, maybe customize it with a player of your choice, and uh, yeah, support our show. Do it. All right, so we're going to go ahead and start with the transfer section. As always, uh, right now, I usually start with the transfers in part. We don't have any, but what we do have is a quote from Antonio Conte. So he was talking to the press at the end of the season. We know he wants to put pressure on the club to sign more players, so... Uh, Nick, what did uh, the gaffer have to say after the match? So I'm not going to do an Italian accent because I would just be doing disservice to no, him. No, um, no, we, we don't yeah. really want to go there. We don't want to try that. No, <laughs> I, think, I think for our <laughs> listeners' earballs, it would be uh, offensive and a little grating. So um, he said, we know the next season will be tough and we want to avoid what happened in the previous season for Chelsea two years ago when the team finished in 10th place in the Premier League. He said, we want to avoid this. I want to avoid what happened two seasons ago. Two coaches have been sacked from Chelsea and Leicester after winning the league, and I want to avoid this. Uh, And the players want to avoid the bad season they had with Mourinho. We are working very well, and we hope to find the best solution in the future with lots of young players, and if necessary, we will have to try and play these players. So I don't know about you guys, but that to me, Antonio Conte has been a lot more uh, straightforward with the press this year. you know, after having you know, his contract uh, increased, and I think he's just uh, past the point of annoyance with uh, you know maybe some of the slow movement on the on the market. Uh, I will say though that the one thing that did come out after this, because you know Conte has not mentioned a lot of other managers by by name or you know, and, and you know this is a very fair statement, right? You know, Chelsea did not do well with Mourinho in charge and ended up in, in, you know, 
below 10th place. You know, we were hanging around uh, 16th at points in time when Mourinho was in charge. And uh, Mourinho clearly was going to be asked about this. And when he did, he made the comments about how he's not going to lose his hair to speak about Antonio Conte, um, which if I were a United fan, I would probably be laughing at a whole lot and definitely is very similar to some of the comments he made about other managers or players when he was uh, at charge in Chelsea. So uh, he he has definitely uh, gone back into the cellar there, went to the reserve section and and uncorked a bottle on, uh, on our new manager. Well, I would say this. As far as managerial mind games go, Antonio Conte and Jose Mourinho, it's a game-recognized game situation. Like, they they both know kind of where these quotes are going to go, and then, you know, it's just working out the proper response, Brandon, to, you know, kind of get each each team's fans behind, uh, behind their quote. Well, a proper response apparently is to sign Nemanja Matic, who I don't know where the picture came from, but is clearly in a gray United top uh, sitting around somewhere in Manchester. So as we go into the transfers out, I think it is uh, about as good as done. Uh, Maybe it is done by the time you heard this, that Matic will be uh, at Manchester United. Apparently the only thing Chelsea are holding out for are the bonuses to make sure that that fee can and will rise to as close to 50 million pounds for the 29-year-old as possible. I mean, this is the guy that Mourinho subbed in in the second half and then pulled back out in the same half. I mean, that I know Mourinho re-signed him from Benfica and we had great times, but it's just weird to me that, like, you know, Mourinho's even came out in the press and said, like, Modic has, like, terrible technique. It, it, it just... I don't know, it's kind of weird to me, Dan, but, you know, Marino has been out in the public. He's already said that, <laughs> taking shots, says, I'm waiting for news. I know he wants that, he being Modic, very, very much. And when a player wants it very, very much, the chance is bigger. The chance is bigger, so I think we have a chance. So my question is, do you think he's saying that going to United is just bigger opportunities or the fact that Modic wants to go to United means there's an increase in the opportunity that Modic actually goes there? You know, I mean, this this whole thing is just is really bizarre. Uh, and selling to Manny Matic uh, for close to fifty million pounds at age twenty nine to United would be amazing. Like I, I just, I mean, people are wondering, well, why don't we include him as a little chip with Juventus to, you know, end up getting Alexandro? Well, if if that's not helping our case over there, either a Matic doesn't want to go to Italy, or it does not really play a part in it. So ultimately, Chelsea's got to make the best decision in regards to each individual player, and it's not looking at it like, oh, well, if we give them these three, then they'll trade with us here. Like, it doesn't, that barter system doesn't necessarily work that way. But I think to the larger point, you know, I, you know, there's a commercial opportunity with being involved with Manchester United as a player, and you have a opportunity to kind of target that. I mean, Chelsea's one of the biggest clubs in the world. Uh, financially, though, you know, Man- Manchester United is the largest club in the world. So you know, I-, I think maybe not necessarily a better opportunity to win, um, but a better opportunity maybe commercially for him, and he gets to stay in the Premier League. So, I mean, uh, hats off to Manich, hats off to the board for negotiating a great fee, and, um, you know, we'll just make sure we don't give up a worldly to him, you know, because there's a lot of ex-Chelsea players on teams in the Premier Leagues this season, and I uh, really don't want the goals to all be coming from them. That's, that's the only thing I don't want. Right. I mean, I think when you look at Matic, and, and this is a guy who uh, you know I've been fond of in the past, and you know who's I think just not as good as he was when he first got to Chelsea, but still has been influential in our two title runs in the last couple of years. You you never you never want to sell one of your key assets to a, a rival, and I, I I felt that way for a long time. I know that people are getting excited about the price, and that's totally fair. But man, it's something just rubs me wrong about this. And on the flip side, I also know, like Dan said earlier, that player swaps in in deals, a la Modic, you know, and cash for Alexandro, don't happen in, in European football like they do in the NBA or the NFL. So, uh, I, you know, it's it's kind of a tough situation that Chelsea are in. I think they, if they get you know something in the range of forty five million pounds for Matic, that's a huge win for Chelsea. Um, should help Chelsea spend more on quality uh, squad depth for the season ahead. Although, you know, we're kind of running out of time to, to get those players in. So uh, all being said, uh, you know, I think we should tip our hat to Nemanja Matic. Uh, he's been a, a really solid squad player for Chelsea for 
for quite a while. And in, in the early part of the 2015-16 season, um, or the 2014-15 season, he basically allowed Seth Fabregas to run shop uh, in the Premier League. And so, you know, I think it's easy to remember some of the um, the bad times with him, but holy hell, did he have a massive influence uh, in Chelsea's midfield. Yeah, not everyone can be a legend, but they can definitely be a huge part of Chelsea's history, and winning two league titles in the last three years is a big piece uh, of that puzzle. Uh, so, you know, hey, it's how it goes. People come, people go, and if, you know, he can at least, you know, be on board and not cause an issue and we can get this much money, it seems well played. Uh, I want to pull up a tweet from Nisar, obviously a friend who writes for Chelsea, or writes about Chelsea for Goal.com, tweeted this out today. He said, Modic wanted to stay at Chelsea after last season. Being a surplus to requirements came as a surprise to him, but he'll move to another big club. And then some people are talking to him about some different things. And Nassar said that his current contract undervalued him. So again, you know, like this are these guys' livelihoods. It's their profession. I think it's kind of crazy that we would deem Modic surplus to requirements when, as I posted on Twitter, the fact that we only have three central midfielders right now in Bakayoko, N'Golo Kante, and Cesc Fabregas. Quite obviously, we need depth in that position. Uh, Chalaba has left because he doesn't even think he's going to get a chance. So it's just all kind of weird. It's all kind of different, but it looks like this one is as good as done. Rumor time. No shortage of these, but I think we're going to go ahead and kind of pick the more talked about ones ones that seem like they have a lot better chance of actually happening so real quick dan it sounds like chelsea are going to go back in for sandro maybe even going up to 65 70 million euros but i think they have to because we've gone i think (laughs) all the way up to everything else yeah it would be a world record signing fee but i mean again it's you know not just about the signing fee but it's about the the wage bill that the player is going to command that you know i think tends to you know, Chelsea do have one of the larger wage bills, something that the, the club, I think, is very keenly concerned about, um, as it seems to be the, the way negotiations have gone. But, you know, look, Juventus don't want to necessarily sell him. So Alexandro is going to want to have to move. And, you know, he's, he's a valuable part of that team. So unless the offer is absolutely ridiculous money, uh, they don't have to sell. Uh, but it does seem like they have put the pieces in place to potentially... Um, you know, recall some players. Uh, they signed a few in the necessary position to have backup if, 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 if the deal goes through, but uh, not rated very highly for that to to happen. So uh, we might have to look elsewhere for our wing back. Running run out of options quick, unfortunately. Uh, Renato Sanchez from Bayern on loan. Sounds like it'll be a one year. I think Chelsea are pushing for two years, though. Nick, even now being reported that uh, Chelsea will insert a a buy option kind of like what Bayern did with James seems like smart business if that ends up being the kind of terms of the loan right uh, so this is a player that I, I called out a couple of weeks ago on Twitter is um, you know a real option and I think you know when he played against us uh, a week ago was was pretty good um, you know some you know a guy who's you know not even what well, I think 20 years old yet uh, you know is technically gifted is a part of the Portugal national team uh, had a really shitty year last year. I mean, let's just be honest about it. He did not adapt well. Um, and I think, you know, under the right guidance, a la Antonio Conte would be, you know, really, a really solid pickup, a dude with a lot of potential. And, um, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons, but mainly because he is very tactically flexible, um, a guy who can play in central midfield or play uh, right wing back uh, gives you uh, some depth in much needed position. So uh, I would like to see this deal go through personally. I think he would provide um, a lot for, for Chelsea's next title challenge. All right. So, you know, as you guys may or may not know, you need to have so many English players in the squad. Homegrown actually is the proper term. And so Chelsea needs some. So right now, Chelsea are linked with uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain from Arsenal and Ross Barkley from Everton. There's even some like far-stretching rumors that Tom Davies at Everton is also being linked. I just don't see uh, him getting anywhere close to this team, especially if like Shalaba, who was is homegrown, left. 
Yeah, I, I don't think Davies is uh, an option. Uh, you know, I think you know Barkley is apparently someone that the the board potentially would be very keen on. Um, you know, uh, you know, you, you have a have to balance it right. It can't just be a homegrown player who's going to sit on the bench and uh, eventually leave, so that you meet your your quota. Uh, I think we've all talked about before. We'd be a fan of the Ox joining the team, but you know Arsenal are definitely less inclined to sell to a Chelsea than they are potentially another uh, rival in the Premier League or you know mid-tier Premier League team that they're less concerned about. Um, but yeah, I, I just you know these, these rumors are starting to kind of get a little little weird. It's that time of the rumor season where you missed out on one or two top targets. Maybe you haven't signed the players that you're looking for, and now every single available player with an expiring deal or that a club is trying to get rid of or an agent's trying to force a move for are all just intermingling, and it's really hard to sort through the nonsense. So, uh, you know, hopefully not Ross Barkley. Um, yes, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, that would be nice. I know Nick would also approve of that with uh, with two thumbs way, way up. Yeah, um, I'm all for the Ox. I mean, I think, I think Barkley's just kind of, not gonna ever reach his potential um and i i don't think he has the work ethic for antonio conte um which is is a bummer for him because you know there's zero doubt that ross barkley is a is a huge talent um and has a lot of potential but i mean i think it's it's gonna be he's gonna be 30 plus million pounds and you know i I just i don't see it right now It'll be interesting. We asked you guys on Twitter. Most people said Ox mainly because um, he can play a couple different positions as well. And for us, an attacking mid is not nearly as important as a wingback option for depth. So I uh, complete, completely agree with you guys there. So it makes sense. Uh, next one up. Uh, in the Evening Standard, they published the odds that the bookies are putting down for the next player that will sign for Chelsea and topping those at 11 to four, are Alex Sandro. Now the next ones, these are kind of interesting. I don't know what you guys think about this, but Kosas Menelas is still on the radar at five to one. Then in third is Sergio Aguero, which is surprising at 10 to one. Musa Dembele is also at 10 to one. And then rounding off at number five is Andrea Bellotti at 12 to one. So, that's what the bookies think. You know, they usually have a pretty good pulse on that stuff because obviously they have millions of dollars at stake on that kind of a thing. But a lot of, a or, lot of attackers. Or, or they would just like to make money off of people making sure. very uninformed bets about the players we'll sign. Because if we were to sign even one of those players, which I hope would be Sandro, um, but let's say if we hire, you know, sign two, I would be shocked beyond all belief. Well, we don't need another center back, Myth Manalas. Like, I think Chelsea made their statement of intent by picking up Rudiger. Like, that was that. Um, Musa Dembele and Belote would also cost just crazy money. Um, all right. Well, we have some questions continuing from social media that are related to all of this, all of this obviously. So, we have uh, Ryan Watson on Twitter saying, Are we conceding that we are a smaller club if we take Sanchez on a two year loan with no buy option? Uh, he's obviously talking about Renato Sanchez. Nick, does that make us smaller than Bayern? And is that okay right now? <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't. I mean, first of all, I don't think the club would do a loan deal um, for a player like Renato Sanchez without an option to buy because that just doesn't make that much sense. Um, second of all, no, because uh, if you've looked at Bayern's team, their squad depth is incredible and just like we loan players out when we see the opportunity for them to go and flourish elsewhere because, you know, they have four players in front of them. Uh, you know, this is what happens. I Renato Sanchez is a talent, regardless of what you think about the, you know, taking in loans. He's a talent. And, you know, this is just part of the new age of football. I mean, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna pay over the moon for him after he had such a terrible season. So I think what, what Byron's saying is, you know, you guys, you guys help shape him, and if you want him at the end, we'll insert a buy, you know, a, a buy clause, and and that's it. And I don't know, like we just need players in the positions that we need, you know, midfield, wing back specifically, and then definitely looking at our attack. So whatever gets the job done, Dan. Yeah, I think the other thing you need to think about too is that 
you know, Juventus is, you know, taking Douglas Costa on loan with an option to buy. Real Madrid sent James to Byron on loan with an option to buy. You know, so the big clubs are now starting to find additional ways to, you know, offload players or to, you know, kind of move talent around in a way that helps their players um, that doesn't maybe hit their books necessarily at the same rate or way. And, you know, this is just another kind of evolution of player movement. And I think we're not very used to seeing a large club take on multiple loans or loans of players into positions. And I think without the option to buy, like, I don't necessarily think Chelsea's going to do that. I think that's what, you know, was the sticking point for eventually the AC Milan issue too, is Ronaldo Sanchez wanted to go there and they want an option to buy. Maybe they just didn't have the financial means, which would be crazy to say, given the summer that they've had. Uh, to put that together. But, you know, I, I don't think it's a small club mentality. I think it's finding the right way to assemble a winning team. And that's what it's all about. And if that's a loan, if that's a two-year loan option to buy, if that's buying a player outright, um, if that's, you know, putting players on loan, whatever that is, it's about winning championships. And it, it's whatever means to an end gets it done. Yeah, it, I'm actually excited that big clubs are loaning either a big players are about to be big players to other clubs because I mean, we just get to see more quality on the pitch instead of, you know, sometimes you don't want to loan because these are all teams in the champions league that are going to be facing each other at some point. Um, you know, we did it. We loaned Courtois to Atletico and then he helped knock us out in the semifinals. You know, it's like, that's just kind of the situation that, that involves with it, and that's what we have to deal with. So I like seeing these kind of loans. Um, we had another question. though. How many players do we need to sign? This is such a common question right now, Dan. Yeah, uh, I mean, Reed kind of put it in there, you know, asking about four competitions and you know, talked about thinking he needs about four to six players minimum to give the squad depth. Uh, I think you have to think about, you know, Boga probably is is on a list now. Players that won't go out on on a loan, so that's going to give you you know maybe one of those spots there. Maybe some combination of uh, you know we don't necessarily look at Musanda potentially the same way, but Musanda would be there too. So that's two. So you're looking at probably needing three to four if you're looking to to try to stockpile appropriately. And uh, you know you might want one more striker. You might want two wing back solutions, and you might want a center mid, which puts you at four players right there. And it's going to be tough to get that all done by the start of the season because we are less than a week away from the Community Shield. We're less than uh, two weeks away now from our first competitive match against Burnley where the three of us will be, you know, together getting a chance to take that in as a, as a group. Um, you know, so it's going to be going down the wire like it is every single season. And uh, maybe there'll be some more Marcus Alonso, David Luiz magic at the end of the window that we can all hope for. Let's see, another one we've got from Facebook. Alec says, as a top club with high ambitions, how far should we expect the team to go in the Champions League? Surely we are not the favorites to win, but would a place in the quarterfinals suffice? What do you think, Nick? Um, I don't think Antonio Conte would say that would suffice. Um, you know, we... We need to assemble the full squad before I think we can answer this question. Right now, as it stands, you know, I don't know if we would get out of a quarterfinal just with squad depth and and probably having a few more injuries this year. You know, I hope not, but you know, just kind of projecting. Um, you know, with with the appropriate squad depth, who knows? I mean, this team, is, you know, has a history of being really, really good in the Champions League. Uh, you know, making making the final twice and, you know, making, um, quarter semis, uh, quite often. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, kind of the sky's the limit, you know, and, and I, I added bonus is that they're all hungry for it. You know, they know what it's like to not play in it. And I think they're ready. I know that a lot of it, I think is going to depend on how the league is going. It's going to be most important for Chelsea to maintain the top four spot. Obviously, we know that that's what Obramovich expects as well. So as long as things are going well in the league, uh, we're getting good rotation guys to perform. Um, you know, being able to make it out of the group stage, I think, is good. And if we play that first, you know, first knockout match in the Champions League, you know, that could be considered a success, I think. Um, Jay Heal tweeted at us, said, Who would the pod sign if we only had one more signing 
from the club before the transfer window closes. Ooh, this is a good one. Um, I'll go ahead and kick this one off for you guys and, and kind of go from there. I think that for me, it would be Alexandro just because we need a quality wing back. He seems like the best option available in any position. And then if we need to rotate Moses, obviously we've had Pedro play there. I think we can fix some other guys to play. But for me, he just seems like the best one signing we can make at this point. Nick, what do you think? Oh, this is uh, this is a brutal question. Uh, one signing. Man, I would have to think. Nick, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here while you're thinking. Okay. I think if it's not if you if you don't give us a clean sweep on Alexandro, we lost. Well, I mean, like I just feel like that's really obvious. So, like if you want if you want a variety of people, you know, I would say you know look at central midfield and try and find you know an option there. But yeah, I mean, Alexandro is the the biggest need we have. Um, but the question was not biggest need. The question was if we could sign anyone. I think if it's anyone, you give me an option. I would say Lewandowski to to go up top and add even more striker options would be really really fun. Uh, and then I don't have to just live it out in FIFA. Um, but but I think need would be Alexandro. Like I think that I think you're right. Like there is a difference between need and dream. I'll give you that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I you know I think uh, a player. God, man, like there are just so many great ones out there. Um, Tiago Alcantara from the midfield would be very interesting. Uh, I rate him incredibly high. Uh, a guy that you know can do it all, and you know, I don't know, would just be great. Marco Verratti's been bantered about; would be really great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Alexandro is the biggest need. All right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, hit a couple more before we wrap up this episode. Um, kind of interesting one from Luke underscore BC underscore CFC. Obviously, friends at Breathe Chelsea. He asks if Conte is unable to bring in a quality fullback cover, aka Alexandro. <laughs> I added that. Uh, should Conte drop last season's successful formation in favor of maybe a four-three-three, essentially changing the formation to suit the players that we have? We have five center backs. We have two wing backs. Dave can play outside back. He can play maybe wing back. Uh, what do you guys think? And also, it allow Conte, Bakayoko, Fabregas, Hazard, Morata, Pedro to play on the attacking side as well. Um, what do you think about this, Nick? Uh, you know, sure. Uh, I think the the major question I would see then is the midfield because right now we only have those three as like top quality Premier League starters. So if you're worried about depth on the outside, I would then throw it back to depth in the middle um, as part of the part of the problem. And you know, assuming that Bakayoko is not going to be ready for the start of the season, and that you know maybe you know Sesk you know doesn't get off to a flying start or one of those players gets injured, then you're still in the same scenario except in a different position. So. I, I don't have an issue going back to a back four if it's what's best, and Antonio Conte will definitely do that, Dan. But uh, I'm really, I'm kind of in a three four three mind state right now. Yeah, you know, I think three four three, uh, you know, three five two would be interesting. But again, you know, you don't have the the player depth in the midfield or or in the wing back positions. So if injuries happen, uh, then you're shifting the whole formation. But you know, I think Luke, you know, it's a it's a good shout because ultimately, you know, Conte's gonna you know, take a look at it and decide, you know, what does he need to do and what is it going to look like? I think the like, other challenge is Luis looks phenomenal in a back three, uh, looks less great in a, a back four, and the same with, uh, you know, Alonzo too. So then you start kind of having some surplus in other areas, but some, you know, shallowness in others. So it, it's really interesting because it does seem like we're requiring those players to go with the three-man midfield, um, yeah, or sorry, a four-man midfield, and then a kind of you know three three defense. So it'll be really interesting to see if we can kind of just stockpile the cabinet appropriately. Which, I mean, it seems like every inclination is that the board is attempting to do everything it can to to put Antonio in a position to win. Fingers crossed on that one. Uh, last one, I just want to go ahead and run you guys through. Uh, a nice little thread from Andy Beerbrower, who uh, was at UCLA this summer. So. Uh, he tweeted at us, can't imagine in the heat and humidity of the fat of the Far East, 
uh, talking about Singapore. He said, mad respect to them, and let's get back to the friendly confines of Cobham. He says, also, he went to UCLA for the training, and any normal human would drop dead with Conte yelling and pushing so hard. It was incredible and so hot. Remember last preseason and how worried we were? I was at the Rose Bowl last year for the Liverpool match. We won, but we were dominated, and then we got blasted by Madrid. How about the overaction of fans to preseason results now? Conte's very grueling training sessions can affect how he play in preseason. So we've already answered this, and I don't want to get into it again, but I just kind of want to leave that with kind of the last thing that we talk about in this podcast. Remember, these conditions are excruciating compared to what's in London uh, and around England. Uh, training trumps everything, and these guys are just being put through the absolute hardest of training sessions. So I think with that being said, Chelsea fans... We're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode with our final thoughts as usual. Uh, Let's see, Dan, your turn this time. What do you have for everybody? You know, I I think, uh, you know, on behalf of, uh, I think, all listeners of our podcast and those who participate in the efforts to make it happen, uh, happy early birthday to one Brandon Busby. Hey, hey. Uh, He's celebrating his 30th this week, uh, the same the same week uh, that Antonio Conte has his birthday, which is uh, maybe a nice little, uh, you know, not, not necessarily birthday buddies, but, uh, you know, birthday friends, maybe. We'll work on the buddies part, but I appreciate that. And if uh, any of you are listening and end up tweeting at us, thank you in advance as well. Appreciate it. Uh, Nick, what about you, man? Yep. Just want to rehash the, the milestone that we hit um, over the summer, which is, uh, you know, in our last season, season three, we hit 300,000 downloads. Again, just want to thank everybody for helping us grow. Uh, you know, we can shout out our, our sponsors, World Soccer Shop and XL Tours, all the great guests we've had on. But really, it's about the fans uh, and listeners of the show. And uh, you've given us feedback. We've taken it to heart. Uh, we've tried to adjust our show appropriately. And, you know, we definitely feel like we're hitting our stride heading into, um, you know, the start of season four. We're we're gonna get together uh, as a group in early August to to take in the uh, the Burnley match and do some planning for the year. So, if you have any thoughts or feedback that you want to send us ahead of that, that would be great, and we'll uh, we'll take it into consideration. But um, but yeah, we have big goals for next year, and we're excited to share it with you. Always, thank you so much to you listeners. I just want to throw this one out there in case you guys missed this. Uh, Conte was quoted in saying that he estimates he loses between two. And three kilos per match. Um, absolutely just crazy how much that guy jumps up and down and, and runs around on the sideline. But it is fantastic to have him as Chelsea's manager bring so much passion and just love for the game and the club that we all love. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. And as always, Chelsea fans, until next time, keep the blue flag flying high. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the London is Blue podcast covering everything related to Chelsea FC. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to submit your questions. And if you like this episode, a five-star review in the iTunes store would help other Chelsea fans find us.